This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 95. Why does God make such a big deal about the Jews? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for a podcast all about the Bible. Many different topics that we cover, all kinds of different issues, and we have quite a few past episodes you can go back and listen to since this is going to be episode number 95. That means there's 94 complete episodes of different topics. A good way to check that out is to go to our website at thatsinthebible.com. If you're listening via iTunes or some other podcast way, uh, there'll, there'll be some um, shows, episodes in the in the feed there you can see. But again, the best way to, to check out all the episodes that we have is go to the website at thatsinthebible.com. I'm joined today as usual with other pastors from around the area, and I would uh, normally include uh, Matthew, who's up in the Arctic, um, at Point Hope as a missionary pastor, but he happens to be here in New York State, uh, in western New York. Matt, how are you today? Doing well. Doing very good. It's good to be back in New York. Um, of course, my wife, uh, we just had our baby now, so she was born on August 26th, Joanna Grace, so God Amen. is good. Amen. Congratulations to to us, right, Steve? Yeah, Amen. That's also Pastor Steve in Western New York. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And we also have Pastor Strobel. Yes, I am here as well. And he is there as well. If you go to uh, thatsinthebible.com, you'll see Pastor Strobel modeling one of the new That's in the Bible t-shirts, which we're talking about giving away as we get to our 100th episode as we approach that. Amen. So, guys, what's new? What, uh, we I know it's been a couple of months since we were on the podcast, and partly due to Matt flying for forty days and forty nights out of Alaska to get to uh, <laughs> yeah. to get back to uh, Western New York and civilization. Not that yeah, it was, not that you're I'm not sorry, civilized yeah, up there. Crazy, uh, pretty crazy flying here. I had to wear an N95 mask, you know, for twenty hours, and and so. Uh, it was it was pretty. I felt like I was going to pass out a couple times, especially trying to get through the airports to get to the connecting flights and things. But uh, but it was eerie, you know, because in the village you don't have to wear any masks or anything like that because it's only accessible by bush pilot plane, and everybody has to have a negative COVID test to be able to fly in. And so there's no need to wear a mask or anything like that. But then really, you know, so for the first couple months of the coronavirus, you know, it didn't really hit me that much until I got on the plane and in the airports and I, I see everybody with masks and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, uh, we were kind of off, uh, you know, out of it all. So it was kind of a shock to see everybody wear masks, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to be back here in New York. We're going to fly out October 20th, uh, Lord willing and go back to, uh, go back to the village of Point Hope. Are you ready? You got your parkas and everything all ready to go? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I didn't even bring a coat, so it's going to be cold going back, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's Putting it mildly. 
I may let you borrow something if you want, Matt. But uh, well, all right, good. <laughs> I'll take the best. <laughs> That's not much. Because <laughs> it's uh, it gets crazy cold up there in the Arctic. A little bit. You're just you're rugged now. You're used to it, aren't you? I don't know. Now that I've been in New York, I don't know. It might have been softened a little bit with the nice <laughs> weather. But I did get here after the 90-something degree weather that you guys had here. So it's, it's that was a blessing. I'm thankful for that because since it's been 80, I've been dying. Yeah. It's too hot. Well, I guess uh, somehow you'll have to endure through the beautiful weather we've been having. And I <laughs> yeah. think next week is supposed to be nice again, at least where I'm at here in the Finger Lake is supposed to be nice again too. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking masks, maybe you're listening some point in the future and you're wondering what – the mask were, well, if you don't remember, we had this uh, Chinese virus thing that happened uh, called COVID-19 that everybody had to deal with. Or if you're listening way in the future or maybe next week and the raptures happen, uh, you got other problems other than the mask. So. So, uh, Start at podcast number one and listen to the whole thing. Yeah, really. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> oh. So, guys, uh, in western New York, uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Strobel, any any news there? Well, we're continuing on, steady as she goes, by the grace of God. Good Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study uh, last night. We're still uh, live streaming it for those that can't uh, make it. We did have to cancel our revival meeting. I've been calling it our last days of summer revival meeting. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that over... Labor Day weekend, Sunday through Wednesday for the last several years. But our main speaker was coming from Alabama, and that's one of the restricted states. So essentially, he'd have been flying in and been met uh, when he got off the plane, having to fill in the forms and been required to quarantine for 14 days and can't do much preaching at our church if he's quarantining. So mm-hmm. so we had to cancel that. And we did have another guy that was uh, a missionary that was scheduled to come in as well. Uh, and we were... Able to have him in just for one night on a Wednesday night, uh, where he was coming from and <clears throat> where he would have been going, uh, got him into Ohio, one of the non-restricted states. So for 14 days before he was going to be able to meet up with us. So we had our first missionary in since I can't even remember right now when the last time we had yeah. any, any missionary or guest speaker in and things went uh, very well. And we we're, we're appreciated that. And we're continuing um, to uh, preach in the street by the grace of God each uh, Saturday uh, at noon. We have adjusted that time since we're not going door to door for obvious reasons at this point. Um, I don't think people would be too excited about anybody <laughs> knocking on their door, yeah, <laughs> coming up there, mask or not. But um, so so we adjusted our street preaching time, made it uh, noon uh, this year, and been having really by the Praise the Lord, just some real good time out there in the streets with the scripture signs and the um, opportunity to just really preach the word of God and and just plead with people about their souls. And uh, then this Saturday, we have a memorial service coming up for two of our um, folks, husband and wife, who died kind of in kind of about the height of the COVID thing. Not of that. They're both in separate nursing homes, but um, they both passed away within about a month month of each other, uh, John and Eleanor Dunkelberger, as some of you will know, 
Eleanor ran a Christian bookstore in town out of her house for many years. And, um, you know, before the really the advent of the Internet, she was a real good supplier locally uh, with people of Christian resources, Sunday school material, chick tracks and a whole bunch of other things. And so um, not all of her family will be able to make it again because of travel restrictions. So we're going to live stream that as well. Um, it will be Saturday night. The live stream will start somewhere around 7 or so, depending on when everybody gets uh, settled in. But uh, we could use prayers for that and uh, for her family. Amen. Amen. I remember as a newly saved Christian going to her bookstore and just thinking, wow, this is awesome. I mean, she had a lot of, a lot of like you were saying, chick tracks and different booklets and, and uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Amen. So that must have been in the what was that the mid eighties I guess and yes. and uh, I remember I walked in once and she had this little um, it was like a little computer looking type thing of course it wasn't a handheld computer but it was a little I guess it was it, it had the whole Bible on there and I thought mm-hmm. wow that's amazing how do they do that <laughs> you know now we take that for granted it's all on our phones and all yeah. other kinds of devices but what a blessing she was. Yeah, Steve, how about you? What's happening there? Well, I mean, much the same as Brother Strobel. Um, you know, we're just continuing on doing what we've been doing. Um, the uh, attendance is up and down. Uh, I think with the summer and you know having a small church when anybody is gone, it it affects things and and uh, you know vacations or different other things that people are just starving to get you know, out and away or do whatever they can at, at uh, you know, that's allowable. Uh, so, you know, we get affected by that. We're still streaming online uh, and uh, finding that, you know, interesting and a, and a challenge. Um, have opened up, I think the last time we spoke, uh, we were able to get back into City Mission and uh, mention some of the difficulties with that. Uh, but we're scheduled to go in this coming Friday uh, for our third attempt uh, to try to get a chance to preach to some guys and so forth. Uh, finally got uh, another ministry uh, locally that uh, we've been participating in for years and years, and that's a charity mission, uh, Charity Baptist Church. Pastor Pete Wigder uh, there in, in Buffalo uh, has a mission alongside of his uh, church, uh, so forth, and, and uh, sets aside a special night for, for those uh, to be able to preach to them and so forth. So that's starting up this coming Tuesday. I guess he opened up uh, earlier this month, and uh, we're scheduled there for, for next Tuesday. So uh, kind of glad to be able to get back into some of the regular routines that uh, we had uh, prior to covid um, just, you know, some interesting conversations, uh, trying to deal with people. I, I try to get out on a golf course at least once a week and it's just kind of relaxation for me, but, uh, I get a chance to, to talk to some people out there and, and, uh, uh, talk to them about the Lord and things. Uh, just one quick little thing. I won't be able to get into the whole scenario of it but i went for a wellness visit to a brand new doctor we had lost ours and had to find someplace new and um had my new testament out and i was reading while i was waiting for the for the doctor to come in and he happened to see it and he was asking me some preliminary questions and then 
uh, all of a sudden started asking me about the Bible and what I did and, and so forth, and we got into a, quite a lengthy discussion. What was supposed to probably have been about a 10-minute visit turned out to be over an hour of him asking all kinds of questions and, and things, which I thought was rather interesting. And he was, at, you know, asking questions of this and that and trying to give him, uh, you know, good answers and so forth. He showed some interest. So I uh, haven't heard back from him, but I uh, gave him the invitation to give me a call if he wanted to get a Bible study going or something like that. But that Man. never expected something like that. You never know when something like that is going to take place and all you have to do is just have something i mean you know whether it's a new testament or a chick or a tra- track of some kind something that will draw somebody's attention to to that maybe just even saying a word one of the things i say you know now that i'm retired from uh my what i call my day job and everybody says oh that's great 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 glad to hear that so yeah i still got my night job <laughs> and uh of course that leads into i still pastor a church and so forth and they go oh <laughs> so I always get those kind of responses, but it opens the door and uh, get a chance to talk to people about the Lord. So that's been a blessing. Amen. Amen. I think that's great that you could you know, have that testimony witness, but if I was one of the other guys sitting in that gown in the other room waiting, waiting an hour to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talk to the doctor, I, I wouldn't be happy. <laughs> I, I interrupted him several times I said, I, you know, I don't know if you got other places to go People to see But he just kept going And uh, so I said, okay <laughs> I remember I was sitting in uh, You know, you, they bring you into that room You think you're going to see the doctor Well, not necessarily So you're in that gown And you're just kind of waiting And uh, they have a you know, little magazine rack and stuff I remember going through there And there were all these tracks and things And I was like, wow, this is great. This guy must be a Christian. And so he comes in and I said, oh, I really like your reading material. He goes, well, what's that? And I showed him and he goes, he goes, oh yeah, people are leaving that stuff in here all the time. And I said, <laughs> I think it's good stuff. I, you know, as a Christian, I enjoy it. But I didn't get an hour long testimony. That's pretty good. I remember when I was, uh, when I was an x-ray tech- technologist there in Syracuse <laughs> and uh, Dom, a good friend of mine, a good friend of your guys is too, yep. Dom Morrill. He always just has a whole bunch of gospel tracks. He goes in every waiting room wherever he is and just hands them all out. While well, he was coming in for an x-ray one day, and I knew he was coming in, and uh, it was really neat. But uh, before he was called in, uh, you know, uh, another patient came in and stuff like that, and I called that patient in. And as he was walking in, he's like, boy, some nut out there gave me one of these pamphlets. <laughs> and I said, oh, really, a gospel track? Those are great, you know. <laughs> and trying to talk to him, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. But I just thought that, you know, he's always been such a uh, encouragement to me and, and a rebuke to me, too, to witness more. Because he just, if you know him, he just is always, wherever he is, he hands out gospel tracks. and just Amen. seems like he's never afraid. So that's just a, such a blessing. Amen. Well, as, as many of you probably do know, or some that just tuned in for the first time don't realize, is this is episode number 95, which means we're closing in on our 100th episode, Lord willing. <clears throat> and as a result of that, um, I happen to have in the studio here today with us the um, That's in the Bible Quartet. And guys, are you, go ahead and step up to the microphone. And so I've asked them to come in and just to maybe uh, sing a little jingle here for us about our upcoming uh, 100th episode. You guys ready? All right, here they go. 
100, 100, 100, 100, that's in the Bible.com is celebrating their 100th episode with this amazing intro jingle. Bringing you great Bible podcasts since 2009. 100. All right, guys, thank you. Go sit back down. <laughs> Why wasn't I included in that quartet? I, I'm a little miffed. Well, I, you know, you come on over. You, they're still here. You can join in. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, we, amen. That's a blessing. We're planning to do at least that uh, T-shirt that Pastor Strobel is modeling on, uh, on That's the Bible. Pastor Strobel, okay. aren't you happy yes. I, I put that picture up? Yes, but if we could just figure out a different way to say it than that I am modeling it out. Uh, well, what's the different way? <laughs> Anything. <laughs> just and he won't clean it too before we ship it out, right? <laughs> no, no, that's not the one we're sending. Yeah. <laughs> We've I'm only got one. Right? We've I'm only got one that. T-shirt. We'll take it off his back and send it to you. <laughs> Yeah, for episode 200, you're going to have to give it back. To <laughs> <laughs> oh. so the next winner. Amen. Amen. Well, you Matt. You could say wear, wearing. How about that? Wearing. All right, wearing. So go to thatsinthebible.com. And while he still lets me, you can see Pastor Strobel wearing <laughs> the That's in the Bible t shirt. Hey, there we go. Although I do think you're doing a good job modeling it, but I won't say that. <laughs> well, Matt, are you ready to so give us that study on why does God make such a big deal about the Jews? I think I am. And that's a positive thing re- regarding the Jewish people. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's go ahead and say a word of prayer here before we get started. Well, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you again for the opportunity to be able to do this podcast. And Lord, what a what a blessing it is for us to just be able to get on and have some fun and also get in the serious matters here. And this is one of the most important things that uh, is just really important to you, and that's in regards to the Jewish people. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be able to bring this study across and if anybody is wondering on this matter or maybe even has heard different things and not sure exactly what the Bible says about it, Lord, I pray that they would be able to see according to the Word of God, not by what I say, but what your Word says about them and, and uh, how important they are to you. And Lord, help us, Lord, just as we uh, take these moments, Lord, just to be able to look at it. Lord, we just thank you again for Jesus Christ, who who is a Jew, was a Jew, born a Jew, and Lord, uh, has eternal life. And Lord, uh, if there's anybody listening that is not saved, doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, Lord, I pray that they would see their need for you and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior before it's too late. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, the question is, why does God make such a big deal about the Jews? Well, look with me to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. And look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. 
and of course, this is when they're in Egypt. And now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mighty, mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there, there falleth out any war, they join also unto their, our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. And the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. I want to just look at that for a second. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, this passage right here, for the most part, sums up most of the nation's views on the Jewish people. I mean, when you mention... Anything about the Jews or Israel or those that are living there, uh, for the most part, you know, the world would say, boy, they just grieve me. They just, they can't stand the Jews. And there can be no doubt about it that, and there can be no denying that there is a great deal of anti-Semitism, which, uh, again, that word just means that it's a hatred or a dislike for Jewish people. And uh, it's a hatred there, and it's it's real, and it's it's most of the world today. So, we're going to go over some questions today and try and attempt to answer them. One of them is, who are the Jews? A lot of people have different thoughts or uh, ideas about who the Jews are. We're going to go from the Bible and, and show you who the Jews are. Uh, and another question is, why is there a worldwide hatred against the Jews? Why, why is there anti-Semitism against them? Another question would be, what does God think about them? It doesn't matter what you think about them. Uh, I've talked to people before that they say, boy, those Hasidic Jews, you know, they come in and I remember when we used to live in a small town, uh, we could go about 15 miles and go to a bigger one, but uh, they would sometimes bring in buses of uh, Hasidic Jews and they would take over, you know, that Walmart or whatever. And people would say, I just can't stand when they get there. They just have such a pride and, you know, they think they're, you know, God's gift to this world and they're just so mean and, they, you know, they could care. And, you know, that might be true for some of them and, and, and all that. And, but, uh, I've worked as being an x-ray technologist. I, I've worked in Scarsdale, uh, New York, and that's a really rich area that has a lot of, uh, Jewish people, and I've worked in Mount Kisco Medical Group, and uh, which is a very rich area as well, which where the Clintons used to live, and and actually the the Clintons came in for an ultrasound when I was working there and things like that, and uh, so there's a lot of rich people there as well, which again includes a lot of Jewish people there, but a lot of Jewish doctors I've worked with, a lot of the doctors I've worked with are Jewish. Uh, men and women, and they're some of the nicest people that I've ever worked with, and they've got a heart for people, and so you can't just say, well, I hate the Jews because of how, you know, they're just all mean, and it doesn't really matter what we think about them, it matters what God thinks about them, so we'll go over that, what does God think about them, uh, and then also, are the Jews still important to God today, and uh, so let's just go to Genesis chapter 12, we'll try and attempt to answer the first question here, which is, who are the Jews, Genesis chapter 12. And uh, it's amazing that even though I saw the Clintons, I'm still alive. Amen. <laughs> but Genesis chapter 12, look what it says in verse 1. Now the Lord, now that I probably said that, I probably won't be alive tomorrow, but we'll see. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, um, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
So here we have the beginning of the Jewish nation here, almost 4,000 years ago. God made a promise or a covenant to Abraham and to his seed after him that he would make of them a great nation in which all the families of the whole entire earth would be blessed. And you have here something very important that you see. It says in verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. So I've heard people even try and say, well, that's just to Abraham. You know, the thee there is just to Abraham. It's not to the whole nation of Israel. Uh, today we can treat, you know, the Jews and the nation of Israel any way we want. If we believe that, uh, you know, we shouldn't treat them well, then we should just do whatever we want to them. This is just to Abraham, they would say. Well, let's look at uh, Numbers chapter 24, and you'll see this blessing and cursing here is not just to Abraham. Look at Numbers chapter 24. And in Numbers chapter 24, <clears throat> if you look at verse 2, you'll see the context here is, again, uh, the Jewish people. Numbers chapter 24, verse 2. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. So here's Israel with their t 12 tribes here. Look at verse 5. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. So there can be no doubt what the context is here. It's Israel. Look at verse 8. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his sorrows, uh, with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed, or cursed is he that curseth thee. So not only did it just stay with Abraham, but it went to his whole seed. And you see here Israel, the 12 tribes, it uh, has passed on to them. And God says, listen, I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse them to curse you. And I like this. Uh, somebody had said good foreign pol policy is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to, if you want to know, you know, if you're going to vote for somebody, especially with the elections coming up here, if you want to vote for somebody and you want to know what God's a good foreign policy is, it's easy as one, two, three, which is Genesis 12, three. And that means to protect and bless Israel. And you better not mess with Israel. We've seen in history what happens when you try and mess with Israel. God brings catastrophe to countries, to um, nations. He brings it to even to cities and uh, towns and people, everything. Look at me to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. So we see here that the nation of Israel starts with Abraham. And uh, there is something attached to it in regards to you better be treating Israel uh, by uh, in a good light. You better be uh, blessing them. Genesis chapter 17, look at verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make that my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee uh, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. So God says here that it's not only to you, Abraham, but it's to your seed that comes as well. And it's everlasting. It's not going to end. Look at verse 8. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, 
for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So this covenant is not just that he would be a God to them and that he would bless them. The nations of the world would be blessed through them, through his seed, but also that they would get a land grant. And that land grant there is in Canaan there, which we know today is Israel. And, and they today don't even have even close to all the land that, that God has given them. And that place right there, Israel, is contested. People uh, get mad at the Jews when they try and <clears throat> build, you know, more more property, more living areas, and things like that. And people say, "Oh, that's terrible. They shouldn't do that." Uh, God said, "This is an everlasting possession." Look at Genesis chapter seventeen, and look at verse eight now. Uh, verse eighteen now. And Abraham said unto God, "Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee." So, of course, we know that Ishmael he had with Hagar. And uh, he shouldn't have, but he did. And he said, listen, I'm too old now. You know, just go ahead and uh, take the chosen people out of Ishmael. Well, look at verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be he begat, and I will make him a great nation, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So uh, there's people that say, well, what about the, you know, the Muslims and the Palestinians and all the Arabs and all that? I mean, they're from Abraham. They're, they're God's chosen people. Uh, no, it's, they're, no, they're not. It says right here that God told Abraham, no, even though you wanted, you know, the chosen people to be out of Ishmael at first, it's not going to be through Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac. Now look at me to Genesis chapter 35. So you have this covenant going from Abraham and through his seed to Isaac, not Ishmael. And then Genesis chapter 35, look at verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. So again, there could be no doubt that that passes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and of course it's not the Esau. And uh, there again, they're promised the land. They're promised that land grant, and not only to Jacob, but to his seed. Now that would, of course, be he has 12 uh, children. And look at me to uh, First Chronicles chapter 2. You ever hear the 12 tribes of Israel, that those 12 tribes come from his 12 sons, from, from Jacob or Israel's 12 sons. And you look in First Chronicles, it just kind of gives you a list of them. First Chronicles chapter 2. Uh, recently, I just had um, a lengthy, I would say probably be right before I left the Arctic to come here to have our child here, um, uh, probably the last month before I left, I was going back and forth with a gentleman, a teacher uh, in that area that was working there, and and uh, he has a totally different take on the Jews. And so I showed him all these verses, and, and we'll probably go over a couple of things, uh, the rebuttals that he had, but he had no rebuttals for all this, um, the verses that I'm giving you right here. First Chronicles chapter 2, look at verse 1. These are the sons of Israel, again, Israel is Jacob, 
Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon, Dan, Joseph, and Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. You say, where do the 12 tribes of Israel come from? Right there. Where, do, where does, who are the Jewish people? They come from them. And then it goes on, you can look at the whole rest of the chapter, verse 3, the sons of Judah, Er, and on. So it just goes on and lists off all the children of those 12 sons of Israel. So who are the Jewish people? Well, they're physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 sons of Jacob, or the 12 patriarchs. Now, look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to show you why most of the world hates the Jews. Why there's so much anti-Semitism out there. And it's not just because some people think that they're rude and, and mean and things like that. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land, whether ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, and it may be uh, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Verse four: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So again, here you have the fact that um, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. Can we no doubt about it? Now look at chapter seven, and look at verse. Six, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee, again, this is talking about Israel, to be a special people unto him above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the land of bondmen, of the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. You want to know why people have such a hatred for the Jews? Nations have such a hatred for the Jews? It's because right there it says that he had chosen them above all people, above all nations. Now, that doesn't make people happy. People, you know, people are just so prideful about their race, you know, where they come from. And there's necessarily not anything wrong with that until it gets to the point where you say, I don't care what God says. I am more important or, you know, there's nobody more important than my race or things like that. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Look at verse 15. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Um, look at verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. The important thing to see there is God chose the nation of Israel, those people, to be his chosen people, to get that land grant that he's talking about, and uh, to love them. Not because they were some great and mighty people or not because they were always perfect or always did what he said or anything like that. It says right here that they were stiff-necked. And he said, listen, we I've given you this. Stop being so stiff-necked, you know, and, and get right with me. Uh, God didn't say, you know what, I picked you because you're never stiff-necked. You, you, you know, you always obey me. He didn't say that. And so it says right here, he just chose them because he loved them. Now look with me to Genesis. I'm sorry, go to First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. So, so far we've seen 
first that most people in the world or most nations hate the Jews. And uh, secondly, we see that the Jews are the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And third, we've seen that God chose the Jewish nation over every other nation in the world. And his covenant is between them. And his covenant uh, was never conditional on whether they would obey him or not. He just said, I'm going to give you this covenant. It's between me and you. And it's everlasting. And it, it, he didn't say, it, as long as you, you know, um, obey me and all. He didn't say that. Look at First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. And here in First Chronicles chapter 16, look what it says in verse 13. First Chronicles chapter 16, look at verse 13. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham, Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law into Israel for an everlasting covenant, uh, saying unto thee, will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. So again, this is an everlasting covenant. It is, it is a promise. It's a covenant to Israel forever. It's everlasting. And that covenant includes the land of Canaan, which is a lot of their inheritance. Uh, look at Psalm 105. We're not going to go over all these, but I want you to see that this never ends. God says that this promise that he has given them, this covenant, is everlasting. Psalm 105, look at verse 7. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law unto Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. So there can be no doubt about it that God has uh, chosen them, and we see who has been chosen, and we also see the fact that it is an everlasting covenant. Now, there's some people, again, that I've, already mentioned that teach contrary to what the Bible says. And so you got to be careful with that. But again, we've already looked at the fact that God's chosen these people. And Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So you either believe God's word or you don't. You either believe he's <laughs> truthful to what he says or He's not truthful, and uh, and that you don't believe his promises. Now, look me to uh, Acts chapter seven. Now, we're going to go over a couple things that people have against the Jews, and specifically the Jews that are there today in the land of Israel. But look at Acts chapter seven, and here we have Stephen. Of course, we know what happens to Stephen. He gets um, he gets stoned to death. <laughs> but Acts chapter 7, look at verse 1. Then said the high priest, are these things so? And he said, talking about uh, Stephen, and he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken the God of glory appeared unto your, uh, our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Tehran, and said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land uh, which I shall show thee. Now, of course, we're talking about the nation of Israel here. And look at verse 8. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob 
begat the twelve patriarchs. So Stephen starts going on about the fact, you know, that um, God chose, of course, Abraham. Then went Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the twelve patriarchs, and everything. And then he starts preaching them that, hey, listen, uh, you guys, the nation of Israel, have been always against God, not following His commandments. Look at verse fifty-one. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do you, so do ye. And look at verse 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them, uh, which show, um, which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. <laughs> and so, you know, he goes on and he talks about how they destroy they murder jesus christ and that they rejected jesus christ and of course we know what happens after this they stone stephen because they were convicted uh, in their hearts and, and uh and then what happens after all this is in uh 70 a.d titus comes and he of course destroys jerusalem and the temple and the jews then are scattered amongst all the nations there and uh, because of this rejection, you do have some people now that say, you know what, I don't believe that God anymore deals with the Jews. I, You know, th there's people that say, you know what, I, I don't believe that because they've rejected Jesus Christ. I don't believe that they are God's people anymore. Uh, one of the reasons why they say that is look at um, Acts chapter 13, verse 45. Acts chapter 13. And verse 45, the Bible says this. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing he put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So again, they went to the Jews even after Jesus Christ is crucified, even after Stephen is stoned, and Paul says, you know what? You guys still are not receiving the word of God. Now we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And you can see this also in Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, and Acts chapter 28, verses 25 to 29, that they just reject Jesus Christ and, and his ministry and, of course, his salvation. And so they say, now we're turning to the Gentiles. And and so one argument that people have is, well, see that the Jews no longer are God's chosen people is what they would say, because they've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected the, the gospel. They've rejected the message. And uh, and so now they've turned to the Gentiles. God has turned to the Gentiles. So no longer does God deal with the Jews. And you see that when, uh, of course, uh, the Roman Catholic Church thought that was the case, that they've taken over now, and they were God's chosen people. And then you have Muhammad and the Muslims, and that's when you had, of course, the Crusades and things like that around 600 A.D., and they were fighting each other and things like that because they thought they took the place of God's chosen people. But we saw before that God's chosen people are a physical race, and it's the nation of Israel from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not through Ishmael, which is where the Muslims come from, and it's an everlasting covenant between them, not anybody else, everlasting. And then you also have those that teach that the church or the body of Christ have now taken the place of the physical Jews with regards to the covenant. So they say, you know what, we take all the, the promises that, you know, God has given to the Jews and now we apply it to us, the church. Well, look at me to Romans chapter 10. Again, the gentleman that I dealt with uh, a great deal in the Arctic, um, again, he was a teacher from out of state there, but 
but uh, I don't know where he got all his information from, but uh, I showed him this stuff as well. And again, he had no argument for it. Uh, he would just keep going to something else. He would, you know, have that circular reasoning where you would pin him down on every single thing he would say, and then he would go to something else. Yeah, but well, what about this? Well, what about that? And you'd keep pinning that, you know, you keep pinning him down. That's what happens with, uh, all heretics. You, you pin somebody down, and uh, they don't have a rebuttal for it, and then they'll go to something else. Well, what about this? Well, well, wait a minute. What about what I just showed you in the Bible? What do you, you know? So anyway, I look at Romans chapter 10. So, it is true that God now has, you know, the Jews have rejected as a nation. They've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected, you know, the covenant and all that in regards to them wanting to have God over them. They said, we have no king but King, you know, Caesar and all that. Uh, we know that, okay, but has God totally rejected Israel? That's the question. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. So this is Paul again. Speaking, and he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, the question I asked this gentleman was, well, wait a minute. So if, if we as the body of Christ now are, uh, the Jewish people, right? If we've taken the place of the Jews in Israel, why does he say right here, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved? Well, wait a minute. If we're Israel, why do we need to get saved? We're already saved. So he's, uh, again, we have to make a distinction. There's uh, a spiritual promise that we've gotten when we've gotten eternal life, but there's still physical Jews and God's physical promise, covenant that he made, an everlasting covenant to Israel. Look at verse 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now look at Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? Now he's talking about the Jews. We'll see that here. God forbid, for I also am an Israelite, Paul is saying this, of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew what ye not what the scripture saith of Elias how he maketh intercession to God against Israel look at uh, verse 8 so God has not cast away his people God uh, it says right here God forbid look at verse 8 and uh, in Romans chapter 11 verse 8 here it says according as written God hath given them Israel the spirit of slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear Unto this day, and we could say it's still today. I mean, they, you try and talk to a Jew today about Jesus Christ, and they say, ah, oh, no, that's, that's not right. You know, that's, we don't believe in Jesus Christ. We believe the Messiah is still coming. Look at verse nine. And David said, uh, and David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. So God says here that, uh, Yes, they have fallen, okay, in regards to, you know, going away from, uh, or they've stumbled, okay, but they haven't fallen completely. It says right here that through their stumble here, uh, God is allowing the Gentiles to be able to get saved. And praise God for that. And we saw that there in Acts where they've turned, or the gospel now has turned to the Gentiles. And it says right here to provoke them, the Jews, to jealousy, that they would get jealous. Look at verse 12. Now, if the fall of them... Be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, in so much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify 
mine office. So again, it's talking about how much more their fullness. At one point, eventually in the future, they are going to become full again. Look at verse 24. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary by nature into a good olive tree, which is the Gentiles, we've been grafted into um, uh, the olive tree here, how much more shall these, talking about the Jews, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Now look at this, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away in godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. There can be no doubt about it. The, those that say that, you know, we're spiritual Jews now, the body of Christ are spiritual Jews, and, and we've taken the place of, you know, all the promises that God has made to the Jews in the Old Testament, that can't be further from the truth. Again, right here, the body of Christ is already present. It, it, it was present in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. That's when the body of Christ started. And then you have here, you have... um Paul saying that blindness has happened to the Gentile, uh, uh, to, uh, to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles become in verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. It's a future thing that's going to happen where the physical Jews are going to get saved. And then in verse 27, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. There's going to be a time after the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation where the Jews get all their sins fully taken away the the nation of israel themselves that are still left on this earth and it says right there in verse 28 as concerning the gospel they the jews are enemies for your sakes but as touching the election they are beloved for the father's sakes for the gifts and calling of god are without repentance again that covenant that god made with israel is everlasting the gifts and calling of god are without repentance god is not going to change his mind in regards to the covenant or the promise he made to israel look at galatians chapter 3 that can't be any clearer than that. That can't be any clearer that God does not say, okay, I'm just going to give all the promises now to, you know, to the body of Christ. Now we get in, you're going to see here that we get in on the spiritual um, blessings of Abraham in regards to being uh, part of their spiritual seed, his spiritual seed. But look at Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. So again, this is talking about spiritual, because there is there is physical Jews and physical Greeks. There is neither bond nor free. Well, there's still people in bondage today in other countries. Um, there is neither male or female. Now, our liberal friends here want to say that there's, you know, uh, there's no distinction. Maybe you're a X or whatever they call you, an, uh, an unknown or whatever. But there are male and females, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So God's saying, when you accept Christ as your Savior, spiritually, there is no Jew nor Greek. There is no bond nor free. Spiritually, there is no male or female. But we know physically there is. So 
there still is physical Jews and physical Greeks. Verse 29, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Again, spiritually, we get in on, again, God said that uh, from you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we get in on that spiritual promise of being able to become heirs according to the promise. Now look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God makes a distinction between three groups of people in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Again, the church of God, the body of Christ, does not take the place of the physical Jews and their promises. If it, if they did, then God would just say, give none offense to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Because there's no more Jews anymore if we're the Jews of the church of God. It's, that's just not true. That's just not how God has has done it. Now, I'm going to go over two arguments that that gentleman had and we'll be done. Argument number 1. One of his arguments was as he said this, well, okay, but the people that are in Jerusalem right now that are called Jews, the majority of them, of course we know don't believe in Jesus Christ, but not only that, they don't even believe in the Old Testament. They don't even read the Old Testament. And I watched a video, like a 2-hour video, you know, and they had some Jews on there and things like that and high up in the religion and everything. And they said, oh, yeah, I mean, most of the Jews, we don't even go by that, you know, the Torah or anything like that. We, we don't. And so they try and make their case. Well, look, the people that are in that call themselves Jews in Israel right now don't even believe in God. So how can they be God's chosen people if they don't believe? Well, look at Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel chapter 36. We've already answered this question, but I'm going to go to an Old Testament passage here. We've already answered this question in Romans. In Romans it says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in and then all Israel shall be saved. They're blinded right now. So that argument doesn't hold up. But look at uh, an Old Testament verse that even shows this. I have a bunch of passages that show that uh, Israel when they come back to or the Jews, when they come back to the land of Israel, they're going to come back unconverted. They're going to come back not believing in him. And so there's no issue with them not believing right now, them living in there. It doesn't mean that they're not Jews just because they don't believe in God. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24. Ezekiel 36, verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. People will say, well, that happened, you know, we know, of course, that they were taken to Assyria and Babylon, and, and so they were taken to those two countries, and then and then they were brought back, of course, and that's why they were in the land when Jesus Christ came and all that kind of stuff. So that's what this is talking about. Well, no, it's not, because it says he will gather you out of all countries. No, it, he when they were brought back from Assyria and Babylon, that was just two countries. What takes place in 70 AD when Titus destroys Jerusalem and the temple and everything? They scatter to all nations. And that's where they have been even now. You see that there is Jews in all nations right now, but they have been brought back. And God says right here again in verse 24, For I will take you among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. This uh, this started happening in 1917 and they finally became their own uh, state again, Jerusalem, that became their own country again here in 1948. So this took place in 1948. Now look at verse 25. Then 
will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. So they come back not believing yet. They come back into their own land, which is exactly what happened, which is exactly how they are now. And then verse 25, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. It's a future thing that's going to take place, as we saw in the book of Romans. So, okay, a lot of them don't believe, of course, in Jesus Christ. We know that. But individually, they can get saved. Uh, and also, even if they don't even believe in the Old Testament, in, in the God of the Old Testament, that doesn't matter either because they're going to go through the tribulation that's going to melt their hearts. Look at Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13. And in Zechariah chapter 13, look at verse 8. In Zechariah, that, that's why in the Bible, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, that's what the tribulation is all about. It's the melt their heart. It's trouble that God brings upon the nation of Israel for them to finally receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're, they're not going to believe until they have to go through this time of Jacob's trouble. So right now, of course, they don't believe in God. Of course, they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third part, uh, but the third shall be left therein. Talking about the Jews. Two thirds of them are going to die. And I will bring the third part through the fire, talking about the tribulation, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say the Lord is my God. They're not doing that right now. They're not doing that to Jesus Christ. But one day they will, when they go through the tribulation, it's a future thing. They don't believe right now. Look at chapter 12, look at verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the heavens of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Well, look at that. They're going to look on Jesus Christ whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. They're going to be crying and bitter the fact that they crucified their Messiah as a nation of Israel uh, as it was their only child, their, their firstborn child. And they're going to finally receive him as their Savior after the tribulation, which is still future. So again, no, no issue there with that argument that while well, the people there don't believe in Christ or the God of the Old Testament, so it can't be the Jewish people. That's, that's false. That can be. That, that just proves the Bible that they don't believe right now. And then lastly, the second argument here is, uh, he, he said this, and, and some others will say this too. You know, they'll say, well, the fact that in 721 BC, the Assyrians came and they took the ten northern tribes called Israel, and uh, and now no one knows who the ten tribes are, and and they'll say, well, actually, we believe that they're the British uh, or the English-speaking people from Britain, right? Uh, so everybody, you know, pretty much everybody in America are the ten northern tribes of Israel now, because nobody knows, God doesn't know, you know, where uh, where the ten you know, northern tribes are since they were taken out, you know, in 721 B.C. when they were taken captive and all that. Uh, but that, again, God knows exactly what he's doing. Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is called British Israelism. And uh, I'm sure there's other people out there, too, that will just say, well, I'm, I'm a physical Jew, you know, and they're not Jews at all. And the Bible actually says that. You better watch out for people that say they're Jews and they're not. In the book of Revelation, look at chapter two, Luke chapter two. We're going to see somebody here that is that is a Jew, 
look at Luke chapter 2, that supposedly is a lost tribe, according to these people. Because this person here is from the one of the ten northern tribes. After... Uh, after, you know, they were brought back into the land. And, uh, these people that, you know, teach this, that these, lo- these tribes are lost, they wouldn't be able to answer this, this verse here. Luke chapter 2, look at verse 36. Luke 2, 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. That's Asher. She was of a great age. So, so here is, uh, she's from the tribe of Asher. While that is one of the tribes that, of course, is one of the uh, the ten northern tribes that they say has been lost and they were never brought back to Jerusalem, you know, during Jesus Christ's time. Well, there, there she is. And uh, look at Revelation chapter seven. We'll be done. Revelation chapter seven. You can also look in Mark chapter fourteen, verse seventy, which says that Peter was from Galilee, and Galilee is a territory of the tribe of Naphtali, which is one of the northern tribes, and uh, he was still called a Jew. They try and say, well, Judah and all that is is a Jewish people, uh, but you know the ten northern tribes now are called just Israel, not Jews. Well, it says right there in Galatians chapter two, verse fourteen, that Peter was a Jew, and he is from one of the uh, ten northern tribes. <laughs> so look at Revelation chapter seven. God doesn't have any issue finding out where his 12 tribes are and the the descendants of those 12 tribes. Revelation chapter 7, look at verse 4. This is, again, the tribulation takes place between Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 19. So we're, we're in the midst of the tribulation here in this passage in Revelation chapter 7, look at verse 4. Again, this is a future thing that's going to take place. Revelation 7, 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed in 140 and 4,000 of all the tribes of Israel, of, 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 all, of all the children of Israel, of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. He goes down here and he talks about all the 12 tribes of Israel and he knows exactly where they are and it's still future tense that's going to take place. So God has no problem with who the Jews are, where the Jews are. He knows exactly where they are. Um, and uh, so again, we have seen here, number one, that most nations hate the Jews. There's a huge anti-Semitic uh, feeling towards the Jews today. And the reason why is because God chose them, those people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then, of course, the 12 patriarchs and their seed over every other nation on the face of this earth. And people don't like that. They're prideful. They want to be, you know, the important ones. or They don't want anybody to be more important than them. And this covenant is not conditional on whether they obey his word or not. Of course, they're not obeying his word right now, but it's an everlasting covenant, and God's going to bring that back, and they're going to be the head nation again and not the tail. And then uh, we also saw that um, the Jews are in blindness right now until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. When that... Um, when the rapture takes place, the church gets out of here, the body of Christ gets out of here. It's then called the time of Jacob's trouble. When God's going to melt their hearts, they're going to finally call upon him whom they have pierced. They're going to get saved in a day. It says that um, in, in uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 26, then all Israel shall be saved. And it's going to be an amazing thing. And it's going to be an amazing thing. But So again, why does God make such a big deal about the Jews? It's because they're his chosen people. And they're off on the back burner right now. But as a nation, they're going to be the head nation again once the church gets out of here. So again, you want to have a good foreign policy? It's as easy as one, two, three. Genesis 12, three. 
uh, you better bless the Jews. Uh, because if you curse the Jews, if you put down the Jews or treat them badly, and that's even talking about individuals, you better be careful when you meet a Jew, even if you don't like that person, you better bless that person, you better take care of that person, because God will either bless you or curse you according to how you deal with the Jews. And of course, don't forget that the Savior, Jesus Christ, was a Jew. And, uh, the Bible says that salvation is of the Jews. If you, if you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven, if you don't know for sure that you have your sins forgiven, a Jewish man that was 100% man, 100% God, can take away your sins. He lived a sinless life, lived 33 and a half years on this earth, never committed one sin, and he came for one purpose. He was manifest in the flesh to take away our sins. And the Bible says that he can save your soul. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, can cleanse us from all sin. If you've never had your sins cleansed, you better ask the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jew that came on this earth to die for you, you better ask him to save your soul before it's too late. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Great study. A lot of scripture, comparing scripture with scripture. Um, I thought it was pretty plain, pretty good. Let's check in with the pastors and uh, see what their comments are. Amen. I thought he treated the subject uh, very well, very scripturally, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, it was a blessing to listen to. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, and, somebody, you got somebody else? Go ahead, Scott. Sure. Okay. Well, j- just to kind of uh, follow up with some of that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people uh, go against the Jews and, and different people that are against them, whether it's a secular thing or a religious thing, will have different different reasons. But uh, one of the things that has gotten people against the Jews is uh, a mistranslation of uh, a scripture in some of the modern versions, a few of the modern versions. I don't say all of them, but First Thessalonians 2 and verse 16, and the King James rightly says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, talking about Jewish people, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, <clears throat> to fill up their sin all way, for, to fill up their sins all way, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. That verse in the Amplified Bible uh, reads like this, forbidding us from speaking to the Gentiles, non-Jews, so that they may be saved, so as always they fill up to the brim the measure of their sins allotted to them by God, but God's wrath has come upon them at last, completely and forever. Hmm. And that statement, which it passes off as a Bible has in God's word telling them that God's all done with them. But again, that's, um, that's messing with the book and you mess with the book. God messes with your mind. Amen. There's a couple other versions that give a, give something along those lines, a different wording, but the Douay Reims 1899 American edition, uh, says prohibiting us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always for the wrath of God has come upon them to the end. Again, indicating that he's done. And then you have a similar thing in Young's uh, literal translation, a little bit different wording before that, but also talking about his anger did come upon them to the end. And, of course, as uh, we've seen and Matt pointed out, especially those verses in Romans, God is not done with them. And pointing to the future, Jesus said um, in Matthew 19:28 that when he comes in the regeneration, uh, when he sits on the throne of his glory, that uh, he told the apostles they're going to sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen. 
So, so he's going to be dealing with them. That's dealing with the millennial reign after the tribulation time. And so God is so much still attached to the Jews that, uh, even the city, the new Jerusalem, it has 12 gates and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of uh, Israel. And again, from a brother, it's a secular standpoint or a Christian standpoint or religious standpoint. You know, there is still a lot of anti-Semiticism. And I just want to uh, point this out regarding that word anti-Semitic. Uh, the word Semitic comes from actually Shem. And that's one of Noah's three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He's also called Sem in the New Testament. And that's Luke 3.36 where you're getting uh, genealogy being traced back to Adam. And uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their line comes through Shem. And so that's where you get this Semiticism, this anti-Semiticism that they're taking their roots back further. But people that um, have that, of course, they have a lot of bitterness and hatred and, and, and vitriol toward the Jews. And even even Christians or well, pseudo-Christians who, who think God is all done with the Jews, when they talk about it, they are actually filled with bitterness and hatred toward the Jews. And they have anything but a Christian spirit toward them. I mean, it's almost, you hear them talk, it's almost like, you know, they're glad these folks are going to hell and God's done with them. And that's not the spirit of God. That's some other Amen. spirit. And then, uh, again, kind of following that up, but toward Matt's point about, you know, the Jews, why they're hated and, and about how God chose them to be his people and, and bless them above uh, other nations. Uh, and as well said, in a word, uh, describing that would be the word envy. And I find it interesting, the first mention of any form of the word envy in the Bible, it's in Genesis 26, it has to do with um, Isaac uh, going out and he's waxing great and he becomes very great. And he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds. And in Genesis 26, verse 14, because of that, and that great store of servants that he had, the Bible says, and the Philistines envied him. And so Abraham called out of Ur the Chaldees, the Hebrew, the father of the Jewish nation, then Isaac. And so that envy, the first time it shows up in the scripture, it's associated with the Jews. And uh, it's still strong today, man, Amen. thousands of years later. Amen. Man. Well, amen. Um, good study, Matt. A lot of information, and I'm sure people are probably going to have to listen to this probably more than once just to to try to soak in everything that's that was said and, and brought uh, forth. And uh, good add, added to that, uh, Brother Strobel. That was good. I hadn't even thought of it in that uh, in that vein. But there were a couple of things that that uh, came to mind, and uh, one of the things is the fact that most people that take this view are very ignorant of the Old Testament. In fact, they consider the Old Testament as being nothing more than history. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. Uh, there is history, obviously, in the Old Testament, but there is so much more prophecy in the Old Testament that's yet to be fulfilled. Amen. And uh, some of the words, you know, the people that would classify themselves as really not being dispensational uh, will become ignorant to these arguments or to these proofs uh, that uh, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Uh, if you were to take uh, a marker of some sort and go through and find last days or that day or the day of the Lord and, and th uh, those type of uh, phrases there, all of those refer to the time of from, let's say, the rapture of the church all the way 
all the way to the end of the millennium in, in some respects. And it gives you information as to what's going to take place primarily with the nation of Israel. One of the things that I've been doing as I've been reading through my Bible lately is taking a marker and, and marking down uh, any reference where God is talking about restoration or bringing back to the land or the everlasting covenant and, and things along that line. And uh, after a couple of times through going through there, my, my whole Old Testament is just dotted and, and, and literally marked all over the place with references to the nation of Israel being restored as God has promised. Um, but another thing that, that and I, I've got several verses that I could use, and I don't want to take up the time to do that, but a couple of things that I want to uh, bring to your attention is that, is that God uses typology to uh, illustrate truths that are in your word, in the word of God. And one of the typologies that he uses is marriage and divorce. And one of the things that these folks do not understand when they think that the church has taken over the the rights and privileges of the nation of Israel don't understand their Bible in even its elementary form. God is said to uh, be married to the nation of Israel. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, he talks about that marriage, and then he talks about how Israel has, um, how shall I say, uh, gone the way of a harlot and and walked away from him through idolatry. And uh, in fact, in Jeremiah chapter uh, uh, 3, and I want to get the verse, it's verse 8, he writes the nation of Israel a bill of divorcement. So he is already married to the nation of Israel. Now, he is restored, he restores that again and marries her again. And how you know that is the book of Hosea is a living proof or a living illustration of what God is going to do with the nation of Israel. He'll, he tells Hosea to go out and marry a harlot. He has children with that harlot. That harlot goes away from Hosea and goes off and does her whoredom and so forth. And in Hosea chapter chapter 3, uh, is God's restoration of that adulterous harlot through Hosea. And, um, or actually in chapter 2. In chapter 3, it makes this statement in verses 4 and 5. It says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, shall uh, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Amen. So we're not talking about we're not talking about uh, them coming back to the land after the captivity with Nebuchadnezzar. We're not talking about this year of seventy A.D. and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about a time during the tribulation, those latter days, Amen. and he restores them. Now, if you were to follow that example through, do you realize that, okay, God is uh, married to Israel, but we are espoused to Jesus Christ as the church, and we're not even married yet. So to try to give, to make them the same or a replacement for one for another, you can't make that, that picture or that type follow through. So it's just a crazy thing that, that people have this idea that just because they're going to use a New Testament premise and they basically hinge their whole 
uh, philosophy on that verse in Romans chapter 2 at the end of that chapter where it talks about we're being spiritual Jews and so forth. And obviously that to them supersedes anything that is written before time in the Old Testament about God's restoration of the nation of Israel. Now, Matt put a lot of verses out there that shows you, even from Romans and, and other places in the book of Acts, uh, that uh, what, you know, that God is going to restore the nation of Israel. Uh, he talks about a remnant, uh, and that remnant, um, trying to think of a verse uh, that I've got there, but it, there's several times in the, I think it's, um, try Zephaniah 3. Let's just take a look at that real quick. Zephaniah 3. I got a number of verses here, and I had to find out which one it was. Uh, we could start Zephaniah 3. Uh, let's start in verse 11. It says, In that day shalt thou be ashamed for thy doings, and wherein thou hast transgressed against me. For then uh, I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in the pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of thy holy mountain. Talking about Jerusalem. Uh, I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall the deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, and they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Talking about the millennium. I, you go on all the way down through verse 20, and you can see that. Verse 16 talks about that day, which is a reference to to the uh, tribulation and so forth. All of that stuff is talking about that remnant. The remnant is mentioned in Revelation chapter 11, Revelation chapter 12, in reference to the nation of Israel. It's also mentioned there in Romans, I believe, chapter 9, uh, and uh, so forth. That remnant that it's talking about there in the Old Testament is the remnant of the nation of Israel. So I'm sorry, I'll stop now. But, uh, you know, you get going on this thing, and you hear this uh, through a lot of, Internet sites and, and a lot of uh, Christians that have animosity and, and as Pastor Strobel says, victorial against the Jews. And uh, I fear for them because that promise that, that Matt mentioned, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, is a real, real thing. Mom. You know, let me just insert one other thing, that uh, place at the end of Romans chapter 2 where he's talking about uh, that and, as you mentioned, uh, essentially being interpreted as, as spiritual Jews and so forth. You know, that's right at the end. And you go to, to chapter 3, verse 1, yeah. Yeah. and he goes, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? And he says, Much every way chiefly. Mm. And then a little bit later in that chapter, um, he talks about the Jews still being his people. Um, right. Add it here just a moment ago. Let me pull it back up for you. And... That's verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So it's the Jews Man. and the Gentiles there still. It's good. We understand Man. the spiritual side of it, but as he said, the spiritual side doesn't do away with the uh, literal relationship that God still has with the Jewish nation and the restoration to come, as Mel, as Matt uh, treated so well in his study. Amen. 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 And the, the benefit of having a podcast is that you can go back and you can pause and write all those verses down and really kind of study through what Matt presented and what both pastors also have added to. So good study, Matt. And thanks again. You know, 
I look at it as just more imitation and counterfeit by the devil. <laughs> yeah. Know, just the same way that the Pharaoh's magicians tried to counterfeit the miracles and the same way that we have counterfeit Bibles, you know, that obfuscate and, and uh, kind of cloud the, the important issues. And, and so people are, you know, Satan, I think, leads them to let's counterfeit Israel too. And, and you know, it's just part of the same, but that's why it's so important to study the scriptures and to compare scripture with scripture and rightly divide. Yeah. So all of that's yeah. good and important. I also wanted to mention that if you would like to uh, request a topic for us to take a look at, and um, you can do that by emailing us at that's of the Bible at gmail.com, or we do have a dedicated phone message line at 716 584 1611. What was that? I'm sorry, the quartet just tapped me on the shoulder and <laughs> said they would, uh, they would like to uh, do something along those lines. All right, guys, come back to the microphone. All right, here's the uh, That's in the Bible Quartet. Uh, go ahead. Have a question or topic that you want covered? Email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or leave a phone message at 716 584 1611. God bless. All right. Nice job, guys. Go sit down now. I don't want interrupt again for the rest of the show. So you can reach us that way, too. But again, guys, thanks again. And we'll be giving you more information on how you can claim your T-shirt that Pastor Strobel is wearing. And, and <laughs> at, uh, that's on the Bible.com. And uh, so we'll bring you more information with uh, episode 96. And from then on, we'll get more specific about that. Well, anything else for the good of the cause before we sign off? Who's next? Who's Pastor Strobel. Amen. All right, Pastor Strobel, you're on the hot seat next. All right. Right for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is hot. All right. Well, Lord willing, we'll see everybody back again soon. Hope this was a blessing for you. I know it was for me. And uh, Lord willing, keep going. Fight on. Coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet, Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will, Trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise. Righteous be in the skies.
shall rise, righteous be in the skies, going where, going where no one dies, heavenward bound, heavenward bound. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.